How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Boost and Baseball. This is episode number 59 with Dusty Baker. I am Derek Johnson. I throw it back in Chug's stat of the week. July 7th, 1972, the Detroit Tigers win 6-4 to four over the Chicago White Sox. Pat Kelly goes 4-4 four for four in the top two in the order in both Kelly and Luis Alvarado. When it combines 7-9, for nine, the rest of the team was 5-28. for 28. This feels like a, now outside of the winning part, this feels like a stat you would hear from the Angels. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani did these amazing things, and the rest of the team stunk. But in this case, it was enough for the Tigers to win. I feel like I, so I got a text the other day. Uh, one of my buddies, he sent it to me and he says, I feel like I see this often. It says, Mike Trout goes four for five. Shohei Itani goes three for five. Both homer. Angels lose eight to three. <laughs> it's just like, it's unbelievable how two of the best players in our lifetime are on the same team and yet the Halos continue to be the Halos. It, it's actually really impressive. You know, people will say the Mets become the Mets and the Mets do Mets <laughs> things. I feel like the Angels deserve more slack. Or they deserve a lot more of this like negative energy because they bring it upon themselves. It's the Angels being the Angels at this point. It's just unbelievable that they've wasted talent. But, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty similar stat line. Good old Pat Kelly going four for four. You love it. Well, Dusty, what are you drinking tonight? You know, now that you've come back from Germany, I was thinking that maybe I would have a, a beer stein, but that just doesn't really fit what I think I needed today. I'm going on a flight myself, and I made a very poor decision. And uh, I live in San Luis Obispo. That's three hours away from Los Angeles. And my flight is at 5 a.m. out of LAX. We're recording this podcast at my time, 6.20 p.m. So to make life a lot easier on me, I'm just going to get the, the stuff out of the way now. I'm taking a shot. And I made a combo, Derek. I've done this in the past. It actually tastes really good. There's margarita mix with Smirnoff. Sounds bad. I promise you it's not that bad. I'm going to do it right here before you uh, take your drink. But I'm telling you, actually, there's, you know what? There's a little more than a shot in here. So uh, hopefully I'll be good to go in like two hours. All right, here we go. Hey, love it. Ooh, uh, delicious. My, that didn't sound delicious. My liver might not like it as much. But yeah, that's my drink. Um, and then I'll go water after that. Okay. So I should have done a beer sign as well. We bought a couple as I was away in Germany and, you know, we got some souvenirs and everything. Um, but I didn't, I wish I had like German beer back with me. I don't, 
Uh, so what I'm going to do with this one, I actually, we bought these little, like, it's like a boot shot glass. Oh, those are cool. Deutschland. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Deutschland. Nice. Um, so um, my parents brought me this from Texas. It is called Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery. It is called Hot Scotch. It's Ooh. butterscotch pepper flavored whiskey. Ooh, that sounds real good. Where is it from in Texas? Um, that I do not know. I just know it's in Texas. What's it called again? Give, uh, give the listeners one more lesson on that. Iron Wolf, is that it? Yeah, Iron Wolf Ranch and Distillery. It says in the Texas Hill Country. Texas so. Hill Country. I'm looking it up as we speak. I'm actually curious. That looks really good. It's, I mean, any whiskey will pop open my eyes, but that looks really dang good. Um, I have not figured out exactly where that is yet because it looks like construction companies. Spicewood. So it's like you get the hot, the, the butterscotch when you first taste it. And then after you drink it, it goes down your throat. You start to feel a little bit of the spice. I actually kind of like this. It's very good. Now, one thing I did not realize, and, and I should have known this because I've, I've drank out of like the big boot before. And, and whenever you're drinking out of a big boot, you get to a certain point where there is an air bubble that is created when the liquid is leaving the boot. I, I started to sip this out of the boot and I got about as much up my nose as I did. Oh in my mouth. So that was not ideal. But um, again, like that feels like something that would happen to the uh, Los Angeles angels. Uh, that said, <laughs> I found uh, it. Season- I found it actually. I found where it's located. Okay. It's where is it called Spicewood, Texas? So maybe that's why it's spicy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find out specifically where my Google maps hate me right now. Uh, as this podcast goes along. Okay. It's, it's in Burnett County. Um, and it's uh, an estimated population of 2,000 people in 2000. Mm. Wow. So now cool. it looks like uh, as of 2011, the census said 7,666 people. In spice you know who's actually from that area? Who is that? Mike Trout. No. No, no, no. I'm just joking. Yeah, I know no that way. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what ties can we add to the Angels in their misery right now? Yeah, it's exactly. Spicy team in all of baseball. Okay, go ahead. Take it away, DJ. Okay, so our season-long beer pong, this, this remains incredible. None of us can hit two cups in a row. I hit San Francisco at Pittsburgh, which was a couple weeks ago, um, but I lost Atlanta at Chicago. As hot as they've been, they somehow lost the series to the Cubs. So you have seven cups left on your table. I have seven on mine. I'm starting to wonder if we're going to even finish it before the season ends. It is your turn. Well, half the battle is that I've tried to call several sweeps, and I've been incorrect. Mm-hmm. So I'm done with that. I'm just done. I'm going to go with the Rays this weekend over the Reds. Uh, you got McClanahan coming up here for the Braves. I think that they match up really well over the weekend with the Nationals. I'm going to take the Braves over the Nats. So Rays over the Reds, Braves over the Nats, strictly because I like the matchups. I think the two teams are better by a mile than those other two. Um, if I was going to get one wrong, my guess would be it's the Rays series because it is in Cincinnati. But, um, yeah, I think the Rays are a way better squad. Their offense has looked pretty decent uh, the last couple of weeks. We got Wander back. Um, you know, I really like the fact that Ramirez has stepped up for them. Uh, you have Yandy Diaz, who's just getting a hit every game now. I, I think that I'm pretty safe with the Rays there. And then the Braves have still been playing pretty dang good baseball, even with that series losses you mentioned. So I'll take those two. 
Okay, so what we're going to do on today's show, the All-Stars are going to be revealed on July 8th, which depending on when you listen to this podcast, could be the day of, could be the next day, could be uh, you know a, a day before, something like that. We're going to actually pick our favorite fantasy All-Stars at each position. So I've assigned Dusty with all the NL picks. I'm going to be doing the American League. And like the All-Star ballot, which you can vote on, you don't get to vote on pitchers, which I've always thought is, is silly. Why do we not get to vote on pitchers? That's weird. But nonetheless, we're going to follow that same path. And uh, you can kind of take this however you want. You can view it as just the guy that you think is the best. You can view it as the guy that combines the best with where their draft value was. You can do it with, you know, based on positional eligibility and what they provide for you in fantasy. Um, obviously, fantasy stats are a little bit different than regular stats, you know, so there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of look at this. Um, let's start with the catcher position. You have the National League. Who do you take? Yeah, this is basically, for me, a battle between Wilson Contreras and Will Smith. If you're talking about the hottest hitter lately, it's been Will Smith. But as a whole body of work, you got to give it to Wilson Contreras for the season that he's had. A 274, 392, 498 slash line. That, that 392 really sticks out to me more than anything else. He's getting on base at a really ridiculous amount. And from a whole body of work, you can argue he's been the best catcher in all of baseball at this time. Uh, 13 home runs, 17 doubles. The overall production in a lineup that has not been good around him and not having Seiya Suzuki in the lineup for a very long time and just inconsistency across the board. He's been the one stable force in Chicago. He absolutely deserves this award. And hopefully for his sake, he gets traded to a lineup where he could thrive on an even greater stage and has protection from both sides of uh, the lineup. So yeah, he absolutely wins it for me. Will Smith's been really good lately uh, over the last 14 days, specifically at the time of recording. He's been the hottest hitter, I would say, outside of who your pick is going to be here. Uh, but he's gone at 269, 333, 538 route in terms of slugging. And uh, he's also had four home runs on top of that over the last two weeks. So Will Smith definitely deserving, but I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras. Okay, so for the American League, this one feels very easy. It's I feel like it's Alejandro Kirk with a bullet. Um, three fourteen average, four oh three on base, five hundred slug, over nine hundred OPS, ten home runs, thirty three runs driven in, and it's not just about how good. He, I mean, if you look at like a you know a traditional roto average league, he he is the highest ranked right now for American League catchers anyway. Um, but in addition to that, he has unbelievable value because. You didn't have to invest a high draft pick in him. In fact, in some leagues, you might not have even had to invest the draft pick in him at all. He could have been a free agent pickup for you. So um, unbelievable value, unbelievable season so far. Who knows, maybe with Gabriel Moreno up, like some of his playing time gets eaten into the rest of the way. But it doesn't matter because we're picking the All-Stars now. And what's crazy is that this isn't like a season where, oh, the BABIP is just like insanely high and he's just getting kind of lucky and this is just a nice stretch for him. He is in the 99th percentile and expected batting average at 331. So it's actually saying it should be higher. His ex-WOBA is in the 99th percentile. So is his K rate. He's in the 95th percentile in slug and ex-slug and whiff rate. He has been so darn good this season. And uh, I don't know. Is he the Toronto Blue Jays' best hitter of the first half of this season right now? I mean, obviously, long-term, you're taking Vladimir Guerrero and stuff. But I think you can make that argument. I think you can make the argument he deserves MVP votes for the way that he's been hitting. That 403 on base percentage also is pretty insane. You know, normally the catcher position, Derek, is not a great offensive position. But for whatever reason this year, 
we actually have like six to seven pretty dang good offensive catchers. And, you know, you mentioned it. I mean, Alejandro Kirk, and then for my side, you have Wilson Contreras, you have Will Smith. Like those three, honestly, really key factors to their respective lineups, teams, everything. I mean, that you could argue they're the best hitters. Uh, maybe not Will Smith, but uh, Kirk has kind of been the best hitter for the Blue Jays this year. Okay, on to first base. Again, yeah. National League for you. Who do you when like? When you look at where MVP voting is going to be, I think that the National League has pretty good odds to get the MVP coming out of the first base position. You just have so many great names across the board in this particular division, but there's one that stands out among the rest, and uh, he's a name that's been around for a very long time, and you could argue he's had the best fantasy season of any player this year, and that would be Paul Goldschmidt. His OPS is over 1,000. He's got 19 home runs. 27 doubles, Derek. 27, which is insane. That's only five short of Matt Olson, who is also probably a deserving candidate to be mentioned, but not even close to a top three first baseman in the division, in the league, I should say. Because you have Pete Alonzo, you have CJ Crone, you have Freddie Freeman, all deserving of this. You can make an argument Josh Bell deserves it at first base. This is a loaded position, but Goldschmidt's just been an extra level of unbelievable this year. Uh, the RBIs is pretty interesting. He's got 65, so he's been able to, in the heart of the order, deliver. But also, it's not like he's been given the opportunity to drive in that many runs all the time because he's walked 42 times. Uh, he's only struck out 71 times. This guy has been truly unbelievable. This biggest notion for me, the biggest standout point is he has 104 hits. And how about an American League guy that really stands out as a hits leader type player, and that would be Luis Arise. He has 98 hits. So Goldschmidt's out hitting a guy that gets more plate appearances, more opportunities. He's been absolutely unbelievable this year. 343 peak at his average, his on-base percentage 427, slugging 620. This guy deserves it no matter what. Okay, so I just saw this, and I have to bring this up because this is my pick for every position. It's not a player. Um, apparently at Chase Field, they have nachos, but they're made with apple pie, um, like you have filling and like vanilla ice cream on top with caramel, and Whoa. instead of like nacho chips, it's like sopapilla chips. And Whoa. that is the real MVP for every single position. So we need to go to Chase Field I'm so right now. down. Sign me up. We'll get a beer there. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll bring the steins out. We'll get that. And then let's time it, Derek, at a time when the Cardinals are on the road facing the Diamondbacks. So we could see Goldschmidt return to his former ballpark. That would be fun. Mm -hmm. We see the best player in baseball, in my opinion, right now hitting. And we can enjoy those chips. That sounds really good, actually. I'm yes, it does. Okay, my first base pick, uh, back, to the, back to the real stuff here. <laughs> uh, Anthony Rizzo. Food is distracting. Know, right? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, old Tony Rizzo. Uh, not a, a great average. 223, 336 OBP, which is, you know, it's fine. 507 slug, uh, a lot of home runs, though. 22, good amount of RBI, 52. How about this? Anthony Rizzo with six steals. Uh, just kind of a good base runner out there. And, you know, it's, it's funny because – you mentioned how many great first basemen there are in the National League. Um, it's a little more devoid of talent in the American League in terms of at least production, like what they've done so far. Obviously, realistically, Vladimir Guerrero would take the cake here and it wouldn't even be close. But if you're looking at like a, you know, a Roto League ranking right now, um, like Rizzo has more runs scored than Vladdy. He has – more home runs. He has six more steals. He has 
only one less RBI than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladdy obviously has a lot more average. If you're in an OBP league, though, it's even closer between the two of them. But overall, even in an average league where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is, is like 40 points better in average, Rizzo is actually ranked higher right now. And, and then you add in the factor that you could have got Rizzo later on in your draft. Like he was popping up anywhere in that like top 100 to 150 range. So you got good value out of him there. And he just straight up has been the highest ranked for the American League. Um, as far as me expecting it to continue, I think he can. And I'm really interested to see what he can do in like dynasty leagues because of the fact that like in future years, if you don't have a shift, could he be even better in terms of like the batting average side of things? I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, what do you like for uh, second base? Yeah, uh, you know, when we're talking fantasy, this is where the disparity is, okay? So the National League second base position is fairly weak, but Mookie Betts qualifies as a second baseman. So does Trey Turner. And I'm going to give the lead here to Mookie Betts, and I'll tell you why. If you look at the overall body of work, it's been insane for him. He's had an MVP-type season if he basically could stay healthy. That's been his biggest issue is if the times that he's not on the field. Uh, he's had a rib issue. He finally came back off the I.L., Outside of max exit velocity, which he's actually shockingly in the weaker side of the league at, his baseball savant page is just red all over the place. I'm a little surprised because Mookie used to be one of the fastest players in the league. He's actually technically below average in sprint speed, which is something that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But expected slugging, his outs above average, his whiff percentage. He has just been an incredible pure hitter this year. He had an unbelievable month of May. You could argue he was the best hitter in the month of May. And his OPS right now, even after having these stints of the injuries, he's still an OPS of 901 at the time. 18 home runs, 15 doubles. Even with that maybe lack of a step that he may have had in the past, he still has six stolen bases in the process. He gets RBIs. He has 42 RBIs. But more importantly, his 56 runs scored, 71 hits. He's been all over the place this season and limited at-bats. He's my pick at second base. What about you? I was really interested to see what you did there because of the fact that I, I thought that Turner versus Betts was very interesting. I, I actually agreed with what you did there too because of the fact too that um, like Mookie Betts adding the, the second base positional elig eligibility just added so much more value to him that I think that gets factored in there as well, which would make him kind of an all-star there. Because again, this isn't just about who's the highest ranked. Like there's other things to think about there. Um, I'm going to go Luis Arias. I could have picked like a myriad of positions to use him at. I'm going to use him at second base. You know, Trevor Story in like a five by five average league is actually ranked the highest among second basemen. We have a league where it's it's more categories. He's not ranked nearly that high because it takes into account other things. Um, but he's still doing okay there. Altuve and, and Marcus Simeon are actually ranked higher than Luis Arias too. But again, like if we go back to the value of getting Luis Arias as a guy who maybe he was even undrafted for you, depending how deep your league is. He's in 346, so it's not just a situation of, okay, maybe, we're maybe, maybe Trevor Story's ranked higher because he can get you um, some more home runs and he's going to hit you more power and run batted in and steals and stuff. But to the domination that Luis Arias, he's, he's leading the league in average, he's leading the league in on-base percentage. Having those giant balloons that he provides you, even though the home runs aren't really there and he's not getting you a ton of runs batted in or steals, 
because he's so good there, it allows you to own a player like, for instance, Christian Walker. If you paired Luis Arias with Christian Walker and you get the power of Christian Walker with the average of Luis Arias to raise That's up. That's a dream right there. Holy cow. Exactly. Like, uh, the, I, I don't know. If, if you combine the two of them and average them out, is that just like turning into like having a Mike Trout, basically? I, I don't know. Like, it's, it, it's so impactful to have, have a guy who's that – good in some of those ratio categories so uh plus you add the position eligibility where he's eligible at so many different positions uh very deserving all-star not to Luis Arias yeah I agree with you there uh I think it's funny that Trevor Story is listed as the highest ranked player I traded him in our keeper league mm-hmm. um I was a believer in Trevor Story and then outside of counting stats if you actually look at his full body of work it's not great and it doesn't look like it's trending in the right direction either. So unless you're a fan of ignoring the concept of average on base percentage slugging, if you want to look at counting stats, sure, he provides the RBIs and everything along those lines. But uh, I got Gunnar Henderson for him, who is now ranked fifth in the MLB pipeline. And I just feel like he was a perfect sell now kind of name where he's still at least semi-trendy. And I, I did believe in him. I really did. But uh, the first half was not pretty for him, and I started to kind of jump off the train. And you know, I'd rather start over, and maybe it'll hurt me a little bit this year. But if I can get a Gunner Henderson that you know offers me great value as a 20 year old right now, he's got to work on hitting lefty pitching. But I think that that's a special player if he can figure that out. Anyways, going to third base, this was a really difficult one from the National League side right here because you have Manny Machado, you have Austin Riley. Those are two very good candidates. For me, I decided Nolan Arenado from a full body of work made the most sense. He has a 296, 357, 538 slash line. But I think what really stands out to me is if you look at his outs above average, he's in the 99th percentile. He's just been incredibly unlucky this year, and yet his stats still look that good. And on top of that, he's in a prominent lineup, but it's not like it was scoring significantly at the start of the year. It just kind of recently caught a little bit more fire. But even then, the Cardinals haven't been great across the board uh, outside of Paul Goldschmidt in the lineup. I think that if you look at a fantasy perspective, Arenado is doing everything that you can ask of him uh, to be an elite third baseman. And, you know, the American League is loaded, and it's a hard decision on that end. But when you talk about Machado, Arenado, and Riley, I mean, you're comparing stats to an absolute T, the minimum here where Machado has the least amount of home runs, Riley has the most, you have Arenado in the middle with 17. Then you have the RBIs where Arenado has the most there. You have doubles where Arenado has the most. You have hits where Arenado has the most. And then you look at on-base percentage, he's just behind Machado, but slugging, he's above Machado at the same as Riley. It is razor thin is what I'm saying across the board. Uh, But I think Arenado has been the most productive as a regular consistently. And I think that he deserves it the most uh, based off what I've seen from this whole body of work. Okay. For the AL, I think it's tight too, but between two guys as opposed to three, I would give an honorable mention to Ty France for the way he started and he has multi-position eligibility, but it's Jose Ramirez or it's Rafael Devers right now. I'm going to give the edge to Ramirez because of the fact that you get the extra steals and we talked about, we've talked about this many times on the show. If you can get someone in the first round that isn't just like a good hitter overall, but also gets you steals, it really takes pressure off you later in the draft because you look at guys who are supposed to get a lot of steals, and a lot of times they can tank a lot of your numbers. Like Miles Straw can get you a lot of steals. He's also hitting like 190. You don't want him on your roster. So having Jose Ramirez with the 12 steals, both him and Devers are, are hitting the lights off the baseball. So 
Uh, Jose Ramirez has been great to start the season. And he's dropped off a little bit from where he began the year in the first like month or month and a half, but he's still been unbelievable and without a doubt deserves this spot in the uh, third base one. What about shortstop for you? Yeah, hopefully Ramirez's thumb can get better because that drop-off, I think, has been a big reason why his health. When you look at shortstop, and Derek had kind of alluded to the importance of stolen bases, well, at the top in the National League, there's really two big names right there that stick out, and both of them have provided across the board in every category. Um, you could make the argument Trey Turner's had the best overall body of work, but you could also make the argument my pick Dansby Swanson also has. He's had an MVP-type season. He's looked ridiculous. He scored more runs than Trey Turner by about nine right here. Uh, hits, Trey Turner's out hitting him by five. Doubles, Turner's got him by two. But home runs, Swanson by three. RBIs, Turner's got him by ten. But realize Swanson hits higher in the lineup more regularly. Turner's found himself in the three-hole at times in L.A. Uh, and then from a stolen base perspective, Turner's got him there. But also Swanson has him in on-base percentage and slugging. Turner, Turner's got him in average, too. I think when you talk about draft value specifically, Trey Turner was obviously a first-round value. Dansby Swanson was picked so far late in the draft. In some drafts, he wasn't even picked. And so to kind of value and, and check the, the determination between the two, if you look at the pre-rank, Turner was ranked two at the start of the year. Dansby Swanson in Yahoo Leagues, 123 at the start of the year. So if you passed on him and left him undrafted, it wasn't a crazy thought, right? Like at that time, it wasn't crazy. But you're talking about very similar stats at this point. I'm going to give the lead to Dansby Swanson. He deserves it based off value, based off production. He's also had 11 less at-bats than Trey Turner. So give him those, and he probably is catching up in at least a couple more of those categories on top of that. What gets me is that Trey Turner's this big, like, steal maestro. Dansby only has, like, four less steals. So the fact that you're getting even close value there is even crazier. And I agree. That would be my pick there as well, which I thought that and the second base one were, were kind of the toughest to choose from. And it's hard to keep Trey Turner off. Okay, for the uh, American League, I'm going to go Tim Anderson. This is one that, again, is a little weird. Like, the obvious answer would be Xander Bogarts uh, with as good as he's been. The power hasn't as much been there, but the average and everything is – or again, Trevor Story, who uh, is actually the highest ranked one here in, in Roto. Um, Anderson's ranked lower, but it's due to injury. So he hasn't played as much. But if you sort by like there's a we, – we have our fantasy leagues on, on Yahoo, and there's an option on Yahoo you can sort by season average as opposed to season total. So it takes into account like on average for every game they play – what are they providing? If you go by season average, as far as the regulars, like if you take out the guys who they've had three at bats or something like that, he's the top rated AL shortstop in that situation. And so he's hitting 320, 357 on base, 432 slug, five home runs, 20 runs driven. And how about 10 steals from Tim Anderson? Again, you're getting those steal numbers there. That's huge. And, and because of the fact that there have been other options that if you were in a situation early this year where Tim Anderson – got injured and you were like, I need somebody to pick up to fill in for him. And maybe really early in the season, you were able to pick up Jeremy Pena. There's Andres Jimenez. There's uh, Ahmed Rosario, Eugenio Suarez, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Jorge Mateo for a brief moment early in the season. The average has fallen off, but he could have got steals and stuff early. J.P. Crawford was going off early. Uh, there were enough options there for you to like fill in the playing time that you might have lost early for Tim Anderson that it might have mitigated that. And so with as good as he has been for when he's played, I think it elevates that level. And um, I just like what he's done. He's, he's been really good in a lot of different regards. So he's been kind of my MVP right now for the uh, shortstop position in fantasy or 
or I guess an all-star in this case. Yeah, uh, you know, you look at the outfield position, Derek, and from the National League perspective, I would argue it may be the weakest if you take Mookie Betts out of the outfield, which is what I'm doing here, um, just because I think the second base value is even weaker, and so that's part of the decision that I made. If I didn't have Mookie at second base, he absolutely would get the slot in the outfield, but with this in mind, my three picks in the outfield, I have Bryce Harper, who has had an unbelievable season. It's really a shame that he got injured. Uh, that hit by pitch was not a pretty one for him, and uh, just hopefully he recovers. But, man, what great numbers he put up prior to that. He, he, remember, he had a UCL in, injury this entire season. Still goes 318, 385, 599 as a slash line. If you look at his baseball savant page, it's just red all over. Um, you know, he's in the 99th percentile, 100 percentile, and expected weighted on base average. He's got expected batting average in 100. Expected slugging in the 99th percentile, hard hit rate in the top 95%. He is a true all-star in real life and in fantasy as well. Um, and uh, hopefully when he comes back healthy, he will keep up these numbers too. So he's number one on my list. Number two, I'm going Josh Bell. Josh Bell has been unbelievable this year. He qualifies at first base too. Uh, but obviously I mentioned how loaded that first base lineup is. For Josh Bell, 315, 398 on base percentage and a 508 slugging. The fact that he's getting on base this frequently tells me two things. Number one, the Nationals lineup is so weak that they just want to pitch around him every time because he's that good of a hitter. Um, and of course, with Juan Soto not playing up to potential, he has had to kind of be the leader of that you know lineup going forward. And he's done exactly that. Uh, the force that he's been this year, he has been a really special piece fantasy wise um, to the point where just getting obvious value from him in the draft position he was being selected at. He has been a huge success story. 102 was his preseason rank. He's 15th in Yahoo. So he's given you basically early second round value uh, from what you probably would have taken in the 10th, 11th round. You know, he was a guy who was passing on at the start of the year. And then I started realizing how well he was hitting across the board. His The fact that his numbers from baseball savant were blowing up. And, uh, you know, he just kind of made himself – a much more pure hitter, kind of like what we saw in his quote unquote prime with the pirates. That's what we've been seeing from him this year. And I think part of it's the expected batting average in the 95th percentile. His K rate is one of the elite ones. Max exit velocity is incredibly high. He's been a very key piece in fantasy. And finally, the last one I have, you know, I could have gone a little a couple different directions here. Kyle Schwarber is who I was thinking of. Michael Harris is another name I need to throw out there, but I'm going to go with Jock Peterson just strictly from value perspective. Jock Peterson's value, he was undrafted by most leagues. And considering the fact that he's hitting for average, I think that's where the value is uh, with him. You know, you haven't seen him hit for average ever really in his entire career. Um, and from the body of work that he's provided here from a basically undrafted player, you know, you knew that Kyle Schwarber was going to go out and hit bombs. You had a pretty good idea that some of these other players that are kind of maybe, you know, candidates here, Starling Marte, uh, Garrett Cooper's looked really good. Ian Happs looked great. Nobody expected him to do what he's been doing. Brendan Drury has been unbelievable for no reason whatsoever. Michael Harris deserves this spot too. Uh, Kyle Schwarber absolutely does. But I think just from a fantasy value and where you pick him, Jock Peterson's 274, 342, 567 slash line. That's what I'm taking to be my third all-star. Okay, so for my three in the outfield, Aaron Judge, I don't feel like I need to explain that. He is probably the leader for the MVP right now. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, if not for Judge, he'd probably be winning the MVP. He has been unfreaking believable so far this year. 
Uh, and then the last one gets interesting. If it was an average league for fantasy, I think I would go Julio Rodriguez. But if it's an OBP league, I think I would go Adelise Garcia because Garcia is at 246. Um, you know, J-Rod is, is like 30 points better than that in terms of average. Um, OBP, though, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I mixed that up. In, in OBP, I would go J-Rod because Adelise is, is at 287, where that's a lot lower, whereas the average isn't as far behind there. But the home runs are similar. The RBIs are similar. The steals are pretty similar. It's just that with Adelise Garcia, he was kind of forgotten about at the end of last year. Um, he had a really rough second half, which I don't know, maybe that's uh, history repeats itself. I might sell him here soon if you had him. But nonetheless, so far this half, he has been great. He has been available at an easy cost to have, might have been undrafted in your league, whereas Julio Rodriguez certainly probably cost the draft pick because of the hype uh, around the prospect. Um, so those would be my pick there. OBP, Julio Rodriguez, average would be Adelise Garcia. Finish it up with a DH or utility. Um, I, I don't know how we want to take this if it's just, you know, the next best hitter or if it has to be someone who's like actually a DH. If it has to be a quote-unquote utility hitter, according to Yahoo, National League is going to have a very rough time. <laughs> <laughs> National League is going to have a horrible, horrible time. Um, the reason why, if you actually dig deep, it would be a battle between Nelson Cruz, who has a career-worst slugging percentage. It's in the 300s right now. You could either have that, who's also been injured, or you could go with Derek Hall, who just came up. I mean, it's so bad. Like You don't find utility-only hitters in Yahoo, generally speaking. Um, you could make an argument. Seth Beer had an argument here for a while before getting sent down. So, yeah, we're going to go with actual DH. And just from a DH perspective, I'm taking the best pure hitter in the National League. And you have names like Freddie Freeman, CJ Crone, Manny Machado, Pete Alonzo that definitely deserve this. But uh, I've talked about him a lot in this podcast. Trey Turner deserves this. The stolen bases, the average, the overall body of work. He and Dansby Swanson were absolutely neck and neck. And I have a hard time passing on the speed aspect. Um, the fact that he provides every category and, uh, you know, he's going to offer you significant first round value across the board. He's my utility in this situation. Okay, my utility, um, if it's utility only, it's a lot easier for me, Shohei Otani. Um, if not, then I'd probably go Rafael Devers. He's just been a little better with the bat than Shohei Otani, and both guys were you know, drafted high in, in fantasy drafts, so that wouldn't really come into play like the value factor. Okay, let's real quick finish up with the shotgun six-pack. Number one, name a player that belongs in the home run derby. Jock Peterson. Would love to see him at Dodger Stadium hitting bombs. He absolutely deserves it. He did it once. I want to see him do it again. Um, let's go with Freddie Freeman and then he wins and says, I did this for the Braves. Um, <laughs> number two, name a player that doesn't belong, but would be fun to watch anyway in the home run derby. Uh, I would love to see Luis Arise. Um, the guy has mm -hmm. absolutely no pop whatsoever, but he hits the baseball every time. Right. So, uh, man, to give him a chance to just swing for the fences, I'd be genuinely curious to see what he does. Uh, Johnny Cueto. He's always entertaining. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> Let's get Johnny Cueto. What about Madison home. Bumgarner at Dodger Stadium in front of that crowd? That would be kind of cool. I would be all about that. Let's do it. Let's do a pitcher home run derby. Like, you sweet. know, you don't, we don't need it to go like a billion rounds. Just have it be like one round for four yeah. guys or something. Yeah. Uh, number three, MLB prospect you're surprised is in the top 25 updated rankings. The uh, MLB top 100 got updated uh, today. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because across the board, there's a few names that are currently in the league right now, right? And so that's mm-hmm. kind of a difficult side. Um, I'm a little surprised just based off of where they have some of these rankings right here. Uh, you know, if you look at the top 10 specifically, I don't have a ton of questions, um, but I am maybe a little bit shocked that they moved Anthony Volpe to eight. Um, he's really struggled and... I don't know. I, I buy him, but I don't know right now if I fully believe that is a top 10 player based off of what you've seen from him. I mean, we're talking he's close, but it, there's a lot of great names on this list, and I'm just a little surprised he's that high up. Yeah, that was one that, that stuck out to me as well because, yeah, he had the great year last season, but you're right. It uh, certainly hasn't come to fruition this season. How about Jack Leiter? He's really struggled with walks so far. I was a little surprised how high he was. He's uh, in at number 17 here. And to begin with, the scouting report has always been like, he could be a really good number two, but maybe not like the the total ace necessarily. So already to begin with being up that high and then kind of struggling a little bit with some of those walks and, and maybe not being able to totally figure it out with the Rough Riders, like a mid-five ERA right now. That one was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, number four, MLB prospect you're surprised isn't in the top 25. There, there's a, quite a few names on this list. One that I'm shocked didn't make the top 100 was Estiuri Ruiz. I'm a diehard fan of him. But I'm a little surprised Vinny Pasquitano didn't find his way into the top 25 the way that he was hitting in the minors. And, I mean, you know, it takes time in the MLB. But as a whole, I think he's a very – great potential to be a solid MLB player. So I'm a little surprised at where they ranked him. They ranked him at 59. I thought that was way too low. Yeah, if we're going back to the pitchers, like I, I have a hard time seeing – like why is Brian Bayo ranked lower than um, Jack Leiter, for instance? Bayo's in at 45. Like I could see him being higher. Um, I'm a big Josh Young guy. Uh, I, I think Nick Lodolo could deserve a spot in the top 25. Kyle Harrison just missed it. He's 26 for the Giants, but that dude is just like striking everyone out. Again, I'd much rather have him than like Jack Leiter. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some guys that you could definitely argue for, um, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I feel like definitely, I, I mean, even Ezekiel Tovar with the Rockies, like he's, he's certainly rising up. I, I feel like these lists sometimes tend to overvalue maybe I don't know, certain guys who, like, they were drafted super high and we're going to slot them. It's almost like college football. Like, you just kind of get bumped down a few spots if you lose, if you're ranked really high in the preseason. Uh, number five, MLB player that would most likely be a minion is who? <laughs> it's got to be Jose Altuve, right? Uh, he's short, he's tiny, uh, he's devious as heck. I feel like that's almost an obvious answer. Who do you have? Um, let's go with Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve. So, cause there's the tall minion and, and the short one. I forget which one's name is Kevin. Uh, number six, stranger things was blank. Oh man. I thought it was epic. I loved it. Um, that was one of the best shows. I can't wait for season five. That's going to be super sweet. And, uh, they need to find a way to tie baseball into stranger things somehow. I don't know how maybe the upside down home run derby. They've got to have that. Yeah, Stranger Things, I, it was very good. Um, yeah, maybe we can get something like that. Um, I don't know uh, what else we can do with that, but yeah, it was really good. Um, who would be the best Stranger Things baseball player? Yeah, we talked about this on our other podcast. I think for my side, I would love to see Clayton Kershaw take Hopper's role. I just think that he's got the look for a police officer. He makes sense. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you can't go against somebody with superpowers to be able to move the ball, but that's kind of cheating. Anyway, he's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Booze and Baseball. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.